Thank you, Aaron. It's a uh, it's a fascinating passage. Why do the name like and uh, and I go back to my old King James because that's what I memorized as a child, which is why do the nations rage in vain? I think it's interesting that as the nations get lost and as they you know try and throw off the 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 yoke of the Lord, that the Lord's response to people ignoring him is not anger or fear or frustration, but that the psalmist says that the Lord laughs. I think that there's something for us to learn from that, that when we see a world going astray, when we see things being not done the way that we want them to be done, there's a temptation in us to respond with fear and, and to lash out. And I think it's interesting that that's not what the Lord does. And we're we're going to be uh, in uh, in in First Samuel twenty eight today. That's where we're going to be spending our time, and we're going to be uh, doing a really fascinating and bizarre story. And I know that I say that every week that every story is fascinating and bizarre, but this time it, it they are all fascinating and bizarre. But this one is especially fascinating and bizarre because we're gonna. This is the the story as some of you will will know. Uh, of Saul going to consult the witch at Endor. And this has uh, been interesting uh, for a variety of reasons. One, witches have been in the news this week. I don't know if anyone else got the notification that there was apparently a group of witches who were casting a spell on Donald Trump. Um, I, I got information that I was supposed to be very alarmed by this. Um, I'm not very alarmed by this. The solution was to be to pray for the President of the United States, which we're called to do anyway, as praying over all of our leaders. So um, I don't think we need to be uh, frightened of a Facebook group full of witches. I don't think that that is a thing that we need to worry about. But but we ought not to to uh, to concern ourselves. We not even as much as we don't want to be afraid of those things. We don't want to fool around with them either. And and this story isn't so much about the life of David as it is about the life of Saul, which um, I. I is being the life of Saul, I, I did change it around a little bit. I made the heart blacker. I made the letters bigger because Saul has bigger letters. He has the best letters. And, um, uh, but we're, we're going to be talking about the life of Saul this week. Um, so, so this is First Samuel uh, 29, 28. Sorry. Now Samuel was dead. So if you'll remember, the, Samuel was the prophet who anointed both Saul and David. Samuel was dead, and all Israel mourned for him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. And Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land. Now this is interesting. This was a thing that the kings were commanded to do. And, and one of the ways that the kings of Israel were judged on their following of the Lord, they were supposed to expel mediums and spiritists from the land. And, and these were people who consulted the dead and did occult-type things. And, and this was commanded in the Old Testament a bunch of times, like six times in, in the Old Testament, it, it talks about, like, don't, actually, more than that, just in the Torah, six times it, it, uh, talks, it talks about, like, don't consult mediums and spiritists, don't be, with, be, don't be involved with people who affiliate with the occult, don't pay attention to people who try and read the stars for signs, and actually that's repeated a bunch of times in the New Testament as well. Um, this is a factual statement that's more controversial than I would like it to be, but I think it's an important thing for us to think about. The scripture talks way more about not reading horoscopes than it talks about who you should or should not sleep with. That's the thing that we might want to think about. Um, so, but this is Deuteronomy 18. 
where it says, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, who interprets omens, who engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord, because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. And it's interesting that, that, that God had given his word that you are not to do these things. Not because they don't have power, but because they do. There's an interesting tension in, in Scripture when we talk about the occult and, 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 and evil spirits and all that kind of things, where, where we live in a tension between these are things that aren't real and don't have power, and on the other side, they are real and they do have power, and we ought to be concerned because of that. And, and in this case, uh, the Bible and, and Saul, and, and uh, as God is handing down the law, he's quite clear that these things have power and we ought to be concerned about them. And, and not merely because people are getting information from ways that God has told them not to. That's not the only thing that they need to be afraid of. But, but this is, God, the other the people of the surrounding nations, the people who practiced the occult and divination, they did so because they felt that God wasn't speaking to them. They felt that they needed information to survive, that the Lord was withholding from them. And what God wanted his people to know is that in his word, in his law, his Torah, his instruction, he had given them all of the information that they needed. What the people of Israel felt separated them from the world around them is that they didn't have to guess what God wanted. They didn't have to guess on how we ought to treat people. They didn't have to guess on how they ought to, to survive. Are you okay? Okay. You can go to the bathroom. Why don't you just, yeah. Sorry, my daughter's having a little bit of an issue. It's fine. Um, uh, God, uh, God had given them all of the information that they needed to, to survive and understand what was happening in the world. They didn't need to look elsewhere. And that's what separated them as, as, as people. They, they, they didn't have to guess. And the problem with guessing, the problem with constantly looking for new areas of information, for new enlightenment into, into what God was doing, and constantly guessing on how you were to please him or her or it, is that it always leads to more and more dangerous things, to more and more extreme sacrifices on behalf of, uh, on behalf of the gods that you're trying to pledge your allegiance to, and ultimately what offends God the most, which is sacrificing your children, okay? That the reason why God is concerned about divination, the reason why God is concerned about horoscopes, is because it's a symptom of a disease within the human heart that, that while it seems minor at the beginning, the ultimate end of it, is, is the ultimate end of that distrust of what the Lord has already told us, ends in sacrificing children, Okay? That's why he is concerned. And that's why he had given Saul the word that he ought to, to, to get rid of these things, to eliminate that from the, from the ways the, uh, of the people of Israel. And that's what Saul had done. So, so Samuel was dead, and all Israel mourned from him and buried him in his own town of Ramah. And Saul had expelled the mediums and spiritists from the land as he had been instructed to. And then the Philistines assembled and came up and set up camp at Shunem. And while Saul gathered all Israel and set up camp at Gilboa, and when Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid and terror filled his heart. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him by dreams or by Urim or prophets. 
And Saul then said to his attendants, find me a woman who is a medium so that I may go and inquire of her. Now, this is interesting that that Saul has found himself in this position where he cannot hear the word of the Lord. He cannot find it in, in prophets. There was Urim, which was a, a ritual that they did with, with, that was sort of like casting of lots or, or dice that they used. God wasn't speaking to him through that, and God wasn't speaking to him through prophets. Saul felt. And the reason why that had happened was that Saul had been rejected by the Lord for his own disobedience. If we go back to 1 Samuel 15, and and Samuel will repeat this story to him later, God had instructed Saul to, to, to overtake this village and destroy everything there. He wasn't supposed to keep any of their stuff. He was just, to, just supposed to destroy this king and everything that he had. And instead, Saul didn't do that. He instead kept all of their stuff for himself, taking it as plunder, and keeping the king alive as a trophy. And, and Saul's allegiance to the Lord was derailed by his own greed and his own vanity and his own desire to behave like the kings around him behaved. And, and I think it's fascinating where Saul is at this moment because he looks over and he sees the Philistines and he's afraid. And now he decides to consult the Lord, which is the first time that we've seen Samuel, Saul, sorry, the first time that we've seen Saul consult the Lord in a very, very long time. Because Saul didn't consult the Lord when he said, hey God, I feel like I should just keep this stuff rather than destroying it as you told me to. How do you feel about that? He didn't consult the Lord then. He didn't consult the Lord when he was like, hey, hey, Lord, I feel like I ought to take 3,000 of my men and go hunt down David in the wilderness rather than protecting my people as I ought to. How do, you, do you think that that's a good idea? He didn't consult the Lord then. He didn't consult the Lord in so much of what he had done in his, in his, uh, in his reign as king over Israel. Why on earth is he starting to consult the Lord now? And this is something that I think that we can learn from because I often have people who come to me as a pastor and they're like, I need the word of the Lord, I'm in an emergency. And, and you try and help them as best as you can, you know, and, and that's a very natural human thing to do. An emergency is happening, now I'm going to call on the Lord. And the Lord is gracious to us. But one of the frustrating things about that moment is, is that you need to practice hearing the word of the Lord. And if you haven't spent a life hearing God speak to you in the small moments, in the moments where there aren't a camp of Philistines gathered around your door, when, when someone isn't deathly ill, when you're not in the midst of a, a plane, uh, on a plane that is crashing to the ground, if you haven't practiced hearing the word of the Lord uh, uh, before that, it's going to be very difficult for you to hear the word of the Lord then. Not because God is not speaking to you, but because you haven't torn down any of the barriers that, that, that keep God from speaking to you. If you have never spoken to the Lord before and you're on a crashing plane and you cry out to the Lord in an emergency out of fear, you're, you, you're not, you already haven't heard the word that God has spoken to you because someone who, is, who has practiced and has spoken to the Lord their entire life, at that moment hears God saying, be not afraid, I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am your God. And as that plane gets closer to the ground, they don't need to cry out to God, where are you? Because they hear that voice saying in their hearts and in their minds what has been ingrained into into them for years, that absent with the body is present with the Lord. And a plane crash is a very dramatic thing. But I've seen this happen in much less dramatic 
events as well. When someone gets a, a, a diagnosis of, of a terminal disease and, and that causes them to cry out to the Lord and say, where are you in the midst of their emergency? And that's a beautiful and good thing to do. But for those people who have already been following the Lord at that point in time, they hear at that moment that at the same time, I've seen it in ways that I don't understand, is the same time as they hear that, that, that terminal diagnosis, they also hear the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the Lord has been with me yesterday, the Lord has been with me the day before that, the Lord has been with me for all of this time, and the Lord is with me now, even, even in the midst of this terminal diagnosis. So part of the reason why Saul can't hear the Lord is because he hasn't practiced hearing the Lord. He hasn't, he hasn't made any effort to hear the Lord, and there's no relationship with the Lord. The Lord isn't an intimate friend who walks with him like he walks with David. The Lord is a faraway stranger that he needs to somehow get a hold of. That's not what he's been called to. There's no relationship. So he's desperate, though. And contrary to what he knows, because Saul knows the law well, contrary to what he knows, he reaches out and he asks for this medium, a psychic, someone who's going to consult the dead, and they say that there is one in Endor, not the forest moon of Endor, as featured in the Star Wars series. That would be a fascinating crossover of universes, um, but that is... That is not what we're referring to. This is the, not the four, he doesn't get on a, sorry. Like, I could spend 15 minutes talking about, like, Saul getting on a spaceship, and no, that's not what happens. He just, it's a place, it's a small village in Israel. So Saul disguised himself, putting on, an, uh, putting on other clothes, and I imagine a mustache. And at night, he and two men went uh, to the woman, consult a spirit from me, he said, and bring up the one I named. But the woman said to him, surely you know what Saul has done. He has cut off the mediums and spiritists for the, from the land. Why have you set a trap for my life to bring about my death? This is interesting. This woman knows quite well that she's not supposed to be doing this. She knows quite well that she's outside the law and outside the will of the Lord. But Saul swore to her by the Lord, as surely as the Lord lives, you will not be punished for this. This sentence demonstrates how far Saul has gone. Because how on earth can he promise that? How on earth can he... Pro he believes in the Lord, the Lord who has set, given the law of do not consult spiritists, and yet he swears by the Lord that no punishment is going to come to her because of this. If punishment is in the hands of the Lord, as it is, if Saul really believed that, then he could not promise that. And this is the dangerous thing, that, that Saul is a person who is supposed to follow the Lord, and yet he's making statements that, that make no sense whatsoever. Saul's brain is not working properly in this moment. He's so far gone, he's so far lost, that he's making nonsensical statements, saying, as, sure as the, surely the Lord lives, you will not be punished for committing a grievous sin that God has told us not to do. He's completely lost. And the woman asks, whom shall I bring up for you? Bring up Samuel, he said. Now this is absolutely, this should be ridiculous to us. Who is the person that he wants to consult? The prophet of the Lord. Please bring the prophet of the Lord up from the dead, contrary to what God has told us to do, and bring him up from the dead and let me talk to him and hear the word of the Lord. That is insanity. He's completely lost at this point in time. So she calls up Samuel, and the woman saw Samuel. She cried out at the top of her voice and said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. And the king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said, I see a ghostly figure coming up out of the earth. 
And what does he look like, he asked. An old man wearing a robe is coming up, she said. And then Saul knew it was Samuel, and he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. This is, again, evidence of how far lost Saul has gone, because this bowing, prostrating is an act of worship. This was something that you did for the Lord alone, and here he is doing it to to the weird ghost of zombie Samuel. Saul is, is lost, and, and he uh, doesn't understand what he, where, where he is at this point in time. But, and this is an interesting thing in the story, because it does seem that this actually works, and Samuel actually shows up. Because Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And I am in great distress, Saul, Saul, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has departed from me. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams, so I have called on you to tell me what to do. And now we get to the primary problem that Saul is facing. Because there's something very important I want us to notice here that again demonstrates that that Saul doesn't understand his situation. What The common thing in the Bible is to list your problems in chronological order according to importance. According to Samuel, in, sorry, according to Saul in this moment, what is his most important problem, his most dangerous problem? The Philistines are fighting against me. What is his real biggest problem? God has departed from me. Because if he understood the truth, he would understand that if God was with him, the Philistines are a minor inconvenience. That if God was with him, there is nothing about the Philistines that should cause him fear or discomfort or distress. If the Lord was with him, then he could face the Philistines down in any number of ways. There are so many ways that God defeats his enemies in the Old Testament. That, like, he can make the ground open up and swallow them. He can make a storm ca- cause them to, be, to go blind. He can, make, he can make the sun stand still or to go dark. Or to go, he, can make, he can make disease strike them. He can have angels come out and strike them dead. All of those things happen in the Old, in the Old Testament. All those are stories that, 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 that Saul has heard about how God has dealt with his enemies. And instead, what he's concerned about in this moment isn't that the Lord has departed from him. That's his biggest problem. The biggest problem that he faces is, th- is that the Philistines are against him. No matter what problem you and I or Saul or anyone else is facing, we get distracted if we think that the problems of this world are greater or more important than what our relationship is with the Lord. That's the biggest thing that we have to deal with. Because if we, our relationship with the Lord is right, then our economic problems, our relationship problems, our marriage problems, our, our, our political and economic problems, all of those are going to be much smaller and much less significant and much easier to overcome because we have the power of Almighty God on our side. Our primary problem is not the Philistines. Our primary problem is the Lord. And now we get into the second, answer, second problem, that God no longer answers him. And I'm going to I'm going to push back against Saul at this point in time. And I'm going to push back as well at the various people who have told me and times when I've said in my life that I cannot hear the voice of the Lord or that God is not answering you and ask this question. Was God not answering you or was God telling you what you did not want to hear? Because Saul at this point was so consumed by his own vanity and greed, and his own desire to be king, that his status, that his status as king had become his identity. 
And that his identity was no longer that I am a servant of the Lord, but that his identity was now I am king of Israel, and he had to keep that at all cost. And we ought to be concerned that rather than not hearing the Lord speak to us, that we are, not, that, that we are hearing the Lord speak to us and we do not want to hear it. That is a danger that we all have as Christians. This is what Paul says when he's instructing Timothy to preach. In the New Testament, he says, I give you this charge, Timothy. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. This is a great problem in our world, both inside and outside the church, that we as human beings are people who seek information that confirms what we already know and feel. And we ought to be very concerned as followers of Jesus because it is very easy and dangerous for for us to create a God who hates all the people that we hate who is afraid of all the people of whom we're afraid, who dismisses the sins that we would like to dismiss and is very angry at the sins at which we are very angry, whose biases are all embodied in the God that we have created. This is dangerous. This is especially dangerous in our society now because we have these things. And it's way easier than I think that it has ever been in human history to create a bubble where all of our biases are uh, are confirmed. And worse than that, people who disagree with us are not merely people who have the same information as us and disagree and have come to a different conclusion and as brothers and sisters in Christ or as brothers and sisters in humanity created in the image of God that we have to work with and somehow show grace and peace and love and joy towards but rather those people who disagree with us become dangerous agents who ought to be, who need either to be dismissed or destroyed they're not merely people who are in the same situation but there are people who need to be feared and eliminated. And we ought to be concerned in our world about the sheer volume of information that is coming at us designed to make us afraid, designed to make us worry, designed to turn our attention not to Almighty God, but designed to turn our attention to the Philistines at the gates and say, look at those Philistines. They're the most dangerous thing that is attacking you. Look at that person with a different political opinion as you. They're what you ought to be afraid of. Look at that person look at that government agency, look at that whatever it is, and I'm not picking on one side, okay? Because there's a tendency, and there's somebody in this room right now, I know it, who is saying like, yeah, you should talk about all those right-wing people that way. Or yeah, you should talk about all those left-wing people that way. I'm not saying that. It's all of us. All of us have the problem. We're all, we all have a tendency to build our own bubbles full of information that makes us feel, feel, makes us feel smart and comfortable. And we forget about the Lord, and that is desperately dangerous. We all have itching ears. We all want to gather around us uh, YouTube channels and and Facebook likers and Instagram friends and all of these people who will just confirm for us what we already know and feel. And God is trying to break in and say, do not be afraid. Do not worry about tomorrow what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, how you're going to live. For the Lord knows that, you've, that you need those things, and he's already looking after them. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Pray for those who persecute you. That's the information that the Lord is trying to sink into our brains in the midst of a world that is telling us, be afraid. We ought to be concerned. So Samuel does give him the word of the Lord. He says, why do you consult me now that the Lord has departed from you and become an enemy? I, Saul already knew that this was going to happen if he continued on his way without repenting. The Lord has done what he predicted through me. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors, to David, because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites. The Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will deliver both Israel and you into the hands of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. And the Lord will also give the army of Israel into the hands of the Philistines. So Samuel tells Saul the truth, and Saul sees that all of his chickens have come home to roost. That God's punishment is being delivered on Saul by God saying, fine, have it your way. And the enemy that you're most afraid of, rather than your relationship with me, that is the enemy that you should fear. And tomorrow, you're going to die. And immediately fall... Sorry, immediately Saul fell full length on the ground, filled with fear because of Samuel's words. His strength was gone, for he had eaten nothing all that day and all that night, because it's too late now. Saul had been given this word so many times. Saul had been told that, the Lord, uh, that he ought to fear the Lord primarily, and he deliberately chose to ignore it. And now at this time when he's like, why can't I hear the word of the Lord? It was because you had refused to listen to the word of the Lord that had been given you so many times beforehand. It's an important dis discipline for us to make sure that we are listening to the voice of the Lord at all times. Not just when it tells us what we want to hear, not just when it tells us things that are comfortable, but are at all times. We ought to remember as Renee said last week, that the first word of the gospel, the first word that Jesus brings to his people as he starts his ministry is repent. Repent. Turn from where you are because it's not good. We live in a world that desperately wants to tell us that you're okay, it's everything around you that is wrong. When God looks in and says, you're broken, and you need repair, and you need to turn from the direction that you're going if you're going to have life, and if you're going to have joy, and if you're going to have freedom. But instead, we prefer the bondage and the chains of our own comfort and what makes us feel good. So it's an important discipline for us. And I think that this is an important discipline for us as the, ch as the church. There's lots of vague ways that we can do this about remembering the word of the Lord. But I think that there's one really, really substantial way that we can contribute to this. And that is to, to make sure that if we hear information that is possibly untrue or possibly false or possibly distracting us from what the Lord is calling us to, that we stop that information at us that we don't participate in the sharing of this information further. That we lock it down where we are and say, okay, I've heard this, I don't need to share it. And we make sure that what we send out into the world is truthful. That God is with us and not against us. That God is calling us to repent. That God is calling us to love our neighbors as ourselves and to not get distracted by all of the nonsense that is being perpetuated in this world. It's a difficult thing to do. 
We all have opinions. We all have things that we that 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 are broadcast at us, and and, and things that are striking us with an urgency that says, "Get this information out to the world because it's going to make a difference." But the information that the world is good that the, the information uh, that that is going to make a difference in this world is that is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near us, and it's among us, and it's within us. And where this world is headed is where, very different than, than the, where this world is now. And we need to adjust and change our lives to get in line with where it's going. Let's pray together. God. We all have difficulty sometimes hearing your voice and hearing your word. We ask that you would give us ears to hear you. We ask that that tendency that we have to, to look at our other and say, like, that person is wrong, that person is wrong, that person is wrong, that person is, is, is dealing with lies and, and untruths, that, that, that we would turn that on ourselves and ask ourselves if we have created a bubble that just confirms all of our own biases. We ask that, that you would give us the ability, as you've called us, to make two things our primary goals, to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That is what you have called us to do. And in the midst of a confusing world, that simple but difficult task ought to drive our actions on a day-to-day -day basis. So we ask that you would help us to place those things as primary. Make those things our prayers as we go from here. And as we sing songs, let us be filled with truth about who you are and what you have done and what you are doing in this world. Remind us who we are and why we're here and help us to leave here blessed because of it. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.